Hello and welcome to the Deeper Eye podcast. I am Lara Ferris, your host. For many years, I have been passionate about self-improvement. Through this, I have met the best specialists in their field who have given me tools and the courage to pursue a new path. The purpose of this podcast is to share with you everything I have learned through the conversations I have had with these amazing people. I hope these conversations will impact your life as they did to mine. Hello, I'm really looking forward to my conversation with Andrew Wallace today. I've been working with Andrew for several years, discussing all kinds of spiritual subjects, and it is really empowering to hear his views and get his advice about many subjects that we've been through over the years. And today we decided to talk about truth, universal truth, relative truth, how everyone thinks they have the truth because they believe what they know is the absolute right thing. And it can be seen by others completely differently. I look forward to having Andrew discuss that with me. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. Hi. I just really looking forward to this conversation with you about truth. We've been wanting to have this conversation for such a long time, but we have mm-hmm. so much to talk about. We never really made it to truth. And I was just thinking how from childhood we are told never to lie and always tell the truth. But we never really been told the real definition of truth. Because to me, it seems like every human being believes in his own truth. And the word truth itself, doesn't it mean universal truth, like one truth that you cannot contest? So how can everyone have his own version of truth? And why all these years, despite so many people like yourself and philosophers as well, trying to argue and come to a conclusion about the subject of truth, and until now the confusion seems really still very present. So I was hoping today with this conversation with you that you could share your view on this and tell us more about what's truth to you. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Do we have seven hours? (laughs) It's a wonderful subject. And I think it's like so many other subjects. There is a lot of confusion in the world about the understanding of truth as there is with love and integrity and intuition and a whole range of other ideas that people are beginning to think about. So let's let's just start with truth. And I I think there's probably two or three really important criteria that are overlapping that we need to think about Mm. when we talk about truth. So the first thing we could say is that there is a difference between the outer world and the inner world. Mm -hmm. And most people, I would say nine out of ten people living on the planet, know that there is a great difficulty in discerning what is true and what is not. There's 
people talk about fake news, there's everybody is spinning a story in their own way. And I think there's much more awareness now that if you turn on the news, you're getting a very biased story. When I grew up 20 years ago, yeah. we, we we watched the BBC News and we thought, that's the truth, yes. whatever yeah. it said. Yeah, it can't say anything but the truth. No, yeah. we read the Times and we think, oh, it must be true. Yeah. But now I think there is a real awareness yeah. that whether it's Sky News or BBC or whatever the news channel, it's telling you their own version of the truth and in addition to that Mm -hmm. there are a lot of organizations including governments and all sorts of people Mm -hmm. that are deliberately packaging the untruth or lies as the truth in order to mislead people so we we know that that is all going on Mm -hmm. and I often say that if you live in Russia or in North Korea you have the advantage that you know that what's on the television, what you're being told, is you kind of know that's not the truth. (laughs) Whereas in England or Europe, Western Europe, I I think it's easier to fall into this illusion or delusion that what we hear must be the truth. And that's a very dangerous position for all of us. And the first point I want to say, because it's really, really critically important, is all of the outer misinformation, all of the outer lies, all of the outer deception and delusion is a reflection of our own inner deception, delusion. And and it's hard for people to grasp this, but, you know, the human mind, and we all share the same human mind, the human mind is multi-layered, and is deceiving us in every moment of every day, even with things like perception. We've all had the experience where we look at something and we think we see something and there's a delusion in perception. Somebody says something, we think we hear something, and we filtered it through our own filter, which is a delusion to the actual reality. And then it gets a little bit more complicated than that because we constantly convince ourselves in the moment somebody gets upset with us or something happens and we immediately persuade ourselves that what we did was coming from a good intention or good motive and then a few hours later or a few days later we might admit to ourselves that actually I was covering something up there you know that that person had upset me three weeks ago and I was getting my own back, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. So, so we, we really need to understand that, you know, our mind and memory and perception, all of these things are not as clear as we would like them to be. Sometimes people use the analogy of, you know, muddy water and we have to sieve it every day to get to more of the truth. In exactly the same way, you know, I might be very angry in a moment and I might say to myself, the truth is I'm angry. And then I I sit with the anger for a moment and I realise actually the anger is a protection against an intense feeling of sadness. And I sit with the sadness and I might find actually I'm feeling very vulnerable and insecure. So There's no one simple truth. And we as human beings are constantly 
deceiving ourselves and protecting ourselves from deeper levels of truth. So... Sorry, Andrew, I just want to ask one little thing before you continue. So basically, the more willing you are to admit that you are filtering whatever is happening to make your own truth, if you're willing to be aware of this, the closer you could get to universal truth. Correct. Although I'd like to come back to the expression universal truth, because I think that's very problematic. So the the second point, let's just actually go back to what you said, because I would say that the closer you will get to a deeper connection to yourself and a deeper connection to the universe, and Mm. that's what's important. Mm. Mm. When we feel more connected with ourselves and more connected to the universe, we could say more connected to the divine, then that is where we will find deep contentment. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the second point I'd like to make, which you've heard me talk about many, many times, Lara, is I sometimes draw a picture of a a big oval with a person at one side, another person on the other side. And in the oval, I put the figure of a six on its side. Mm. And the person on the right looks at that and they see a nine. And the person on the left sees a six. And the, the reason I like this very simple analogy, and I've used it for 30 years with adults and with children, children mm-hmm. get it instantly, is because what happens in life is you're seeing a six and I'm seeing a nine. And, and sometimes I even have conversations with my wife or people who are close to me, and I think, how could you possibly think that? How could you possibly? Oh, yeah. that's, that's a million miles away yeah. from what happened. And, you know, we get into that. And if you look around the world and you see the conflicts in the world, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I don't want to be controversial, but you look at what's happening in Russia and Ukraine, you know, there's a whole bunch of people and most of the Western world that are aligning to the perception that people in Ukraine have. And that's, they say that's the truth. Yeah. And then there's another group of people who are aligned with what Russia feels. Mm -hmm. And, you know, probably half of the world's population, if you look at China, the Middle East, anyway, a a very significant number of people have not condemned Russia for their actions. So again, there's a six and a nine there. And any situation that's going on in the world, you will find there are different perceptions And in a family situation and in friendships, there is always a different perception and the conflict arises because an individual tries to impose their perception of the truth onto other people. Mm -hmm. And when you do that in a marriage or in a relationship, it becomes very volatile because both people cling on to their perception as being the truth, as being universal truth. And then you... You fight about it, you lock horns about it, and you can never, ever resolve that. So I use the expression relative truth. Mm -hmm. And so what's happening when you see something from a particular perception, that is a relative truth. This is the truth as I see it. That woman was being very aggressive with that man. That's my relative truth. Someone else might say that woman was being very empowered with that man. Someone else might say... 
you know, that woman was amazing. She was standing her ground and, and not being disempowered. So there's many, many different perceptions. So they see each one, see it through their own filter, basically. Exactly, yeah. through their own filter yeah. and through their own projector. And we really need to understand this because the absence of that understanding creates a lot of conflict and a lot of misery in the world. Mm. If you just look around you and, you know, this is one of the areas where obviously religion gets involved because over the last 500 years and beyond, you know, religions have killed millions of people in the name of truth. Yeah. And what they're really doing is saying our truth is the dominant truth and we're going to impose that on you. And it's a dangerous position. So I call this relative truth. We could also call it linear truth. It's yeah. like horizontal truth. There is another kind of truth which we could call vertical truth mm -hmm. or we could call it universal truth. It's where you rise above the different perceptions yeah. and you're able to see all perceptions. And the reason we could call it universal truth, we could also think of it in, in Native American spirituality, the symbol of spirituality is the eagle. Uh-huh. And that's because the eagle has this amazing sight it can see for miles oh. and it flies above everything and it has a universal perception. Yeah. And in the same way, we could say God, whatever we understand by God or divinity, has that same expansive perception. Mm -hmm. And from that perception, we can say one of two things. We can either say that there is no conflict. When you see the six and the nine, you think, well, there is no conflict. It's two different angles for the same thing. Yeah. Or we can just say that when we see the whole, everything is in its correct place, a little bit like a jigsaw puzzle that's been finished yeah. and every piece of the puzzle, it's in its right place. Mm -hmm. So for me, I would definitely say that there I experience something which is a universal truth or a divine truth but I think we have to be careful about overusing that or imposing that on other people mm -hmm. basically the divine and universal truth I'm just recapping in my head to make sure I understood mm. I'm going to take this example of the six and the nine because it was so helpful over the years for me to manage to build more compassion towards others. Like every time I'm in an argument with someone or completely not in sync with what they're say, seeing, I imagine that all what's happening is I'm seeing a six, they're seeing a nine. And it, that's because of the difference in our experiences, what we've been through, and how do we translate this matter that's happening to us. When you are willing to go from the other side and look at the subject from that side where you see a nine, uh, you just realize that actually both are truth. Is that exactly. universal truth? Is when you, you accept that both are the truth? Well, I don't want to confuse anyone, yeah. but I would say that from universal truth, you have a choice of two things. You either say both are true, and I would align with that, or you say neither are true. Mm. It doesn't matter which you say. It's like either the conflict between the six and the nine evaporates, mm -hmm. and you say neither are true, 
or you say both are true. And and really, that's two sides of the same coin. So it doesn't matter what you say. It ultimately, it leads to the same place. I want to just give you a couple of really good examples mm-hmm. of this, both of which are true. That I had a very good friend of mine who was going through a very acrimonious divorce mm-hmm. and she'd been on a, a workshop that I taught mm-hmm. and she had two children who were six and four at mm-hmm. the time and they were at home and she had a very disturbing, very difficult conversation with her soon-to-be ex-husband who mm-hmm. was very threatening and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And they were shouting down the phone and the six-year-old was there and then she put the phone down and she started sobbing yeah. uncontrollably. Yeah. And her six-year-old said to her, Mummy, please don't worry. It's just you're seeing a six and Daddy is seeing a nine. Wow. Amazing. That's and, and, you know, that was the truth. Yeah. We want to make one person wrong, call them a monster, call them and one person right. But that's not the truth. The truth is one person is seeing a six, one person is seeing nine. And another wonderful example of this which is true and this happened about 40 years ago and it was a story that appeared in the evening standard at the time there was a tube train full of commuters at eight o'clock in the morning and it was going into the city and there of course they're all sitting there mainly men but some women and they're all hidden behind their newspapers reading the the daily news and it's all very quiet And on one of the stops, a man got in with two small children and he looked like he was on drugs. He was completely zoned out. And these children started running around the carriage, screaming, you know, laughing. And you could feel the tension in the carriage was building. And sooner or later, uh, yeah, and sooner or later... Somebody got up and said to this man, you know, you're a disgrace. You should be ashamed of yourself. All these people are going to work. Your children are running riot. They're disturbing them. You know, don't don't call yourself a father. You're an absolute disgrace. And it's like he sort of came out of his trance and he said to this man, he said, yes, yes, yes. He said, I'm so sorry. We've just come from the hospital where their mother died this morning. (gasps) Oh, gosh. Yes. I know. And, you know... It, 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 I, I could tell you 10 other examples oh, wow. like that, but yeah. that's a true story. And, of course, everyone in the carriage then became supportive to the children, to mm. the man. Mm. And it's just a difference in perception. Yeah, because we jump so quickly. We jump to yeah. our conclusion, like to what we think is happening, and we have exactly. no idea. Well, we have partial information. We always have partial information. Mm. And, of course... You can go back to the story and you can say, were those children disturbing the commuters? Yes, they were. That was true. It's not about one truth and no other truth. That's Mm -hmm. why I talk about relative truth. Mm -hmm. And this is a very good link to the third thing that I want to say about truth, which I found to be incredibly helpful over the years. And I describe truth as it's like a multi-story building. If you imagine a building, a tower block with 37 stories in it, mm-hmm. it's like there's truth on every floor. And what we do in our journey, what we do in our evolution and spiritual growth 
is we go a little bit deeper down the journey. So it might be if I go back to an example I used earlier, or we could stay with the example I just gave you that, you know, these children were disrupting yeah. the passengers. That's true. There's a deeper truth that the man was in shock and very distressed and, and in grief. And yeah. then there's a truth, and you know, and so it goes on in exactly the same way. The example I used earlier is I'm upset, I'm triggered by something and I'm angry. Mm-hmm. And that's true. In this moment, I'm very angry And then I reflect on it a little bit and I think I was hurt. So the truth below the anger is I feel very hurt. And then I reflect on that a little bit and I realise I'm actually very sad. And I might get back to feeling incredibly vulnerable. There was a time when I was vulnerable and insecure and I didn't defend myself. So I find that very helpful to understand that my truth today is very different from the truth I had about something, you know, many months ago or many years ago. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't make the old truth invalid. It just means I'm going down the building to a deeper, deeper truth. And I'll give you one other example of that, that in our life, and my wife is very big on this, a lot of people have a wound or a hurt around an injustice story. So very often when we encounter an injustice, Mm -hmm. we get very upset, particularly if the injustice occurs against us. Yes. So again, we go down the levels. For me, in my experience, I would say the deepest level of truth is there is no injustice. Mm. There is no injustice. It's like the relative truth, the six and the nine, when we really understand, when we see it from the eagle's perspective or we see it from universal truth, the injustice disappears. Oof, (laughs) I can't stop thinking about matters that it would be very hard, you know, not to see injustice. Well, give Uh, me an example. um, Children born... um, in places where they are not fed properly, they're not treated properly, you know, they just came to this world with Mm. what I see as unjust. Like it's, I know I've had so many conversations with you and I do understand the idea behind it of this is all divinely planned, but it's still very difficult for me as a human being not to see this as unjust. As I'm seeing myself extremely lucky to be born, I haven't done anything for for this. I'm just born. Um, I had children and and they are treated just the best way you can treat a child. That's something a bit difficult for me to understand. So obviously it's a huge subject and I think all of us encounter these difficulties, these conundrums at one time or another in our life, normally many, many times. And I don't profess to have any kind of objective answer or whole answer, but I have reached a place within myself where I feel very at peace Mm. with my understanding of that. So let's just unpack it a little bit. First of all, in my own life, I was beaten very badly at school. I was beaten till my bottom bled. It was extremely painful, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. As I look back into my life, 
I would not change anything. I'm, I'm at a place in my life where I can see that everything that happened to me has developed me, has yeah. led to my evolution into who I am today. There's a sort of fake way of saying this, which is a little bit trite, but I can say I'm very grateful for all of the experiences I've had, some of which were incredibly unpleasant. Yeah. Secondly, you know, I've known many individuals who were born into this world who were autistic or with a physical disability yeah. or with a very severe mental disability. And I can honestly say that time and time again, I've encountered with those people a richness and a depth of knowing, a depth of being mm -hmm. that is infinitely more desirable than someone who's got a house in seven different countries and 800 million pounds yeah, in the bank. Yeah, yeah. And we can go on. Of course, we know that you've got to be very careful with this argument, but we know that sometimes we see pictures of people in very poor countries yeah. of children who are malnutritioned, mm. playing with sticks and yeah. stones. Yeah. And the smile on their face sometimes lights us up inside compared to most people in the Western world yeah. who have a lot of money, are utterly miserable. And I, you know, I find it difficult to be around them. So we, we keep going with these examples. Ultimately, the only way that I can come to terms mm. with the absence of any injustice mm is the idea of reincarnation of many lives. Mm, yeah. So for me, the ultimate understanding is that we have many different lives to learn many different lessons. And if in one particular lifetime, I'm a seven-year-old or 11-year-old child and I get hit by a drunk driver and I'm killed, and of course, that creates huge grief yeah. for the family and for everyone in that system... But somehow from the higher, higher perspective of thousands of different lifetimes, that was the optimum life uh, at that particular time yeah. for my spiritual evolution. And, you know, Lara, I've talked to people about this, including, you know, scientists who think it's a load of nonsense. And that's fine. That's, yeah. that's so true. And sometimes people say to me, well, that all sounds terribly convenient. And I say, yes, it is. It's very mm. convenient. <laughs> And is it true? And the answer is, I don't know. It's my truth. Yeah. And I wouldn't claim that truth for everyone to be universal. But it, it's a position I've got to after 40 years of inquiry. Yeah. And it's it developing all the time. But it makes sense to me. And it allows me to have a deep sense of peace within myself around the deepest truth of there being no injustice. And it, it makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. I understand that. I really do. And I just find myself sometimes struggling with it. And I'm sure many people who would listen to us of today course. will struggle to get there. And, um, you know, I step in and out of feeling peaceful when I think of it this way. There is one more thing I'd like you to come back to, Andrew, please, is when you understand this concept, let's take again this beautiful example of the six and the nine and 
you, you get there and you agree, you're aware of it and you accept that that's what it is and it's a r- relative truth. How do you then sort an issue? Like h- how would the issue initially between you and the person having, you know, a vision of two different truths, how do you come to a conclusion and uh, how do you move on? from this deep sadness or fights that you can have with this person? Well, I'll give you an example from my own marriage from a, a time when we had a lot more volatility. And I remember my wife was much better at this than I was, and I've learned a lot from her. But we had an argument and she said some horrible things to me, you know, one day. Yeah. And then about 10 minutes later, she came back And she said, I'm really sorry. I said those things to hurt you. Mm. Um, I was mad at you. This is why. It's something you did three days ago, blah, blah, blah. And the moment she said that, it's like I melted. And I said, well, it's fine. You know, it's more honest than I normally am. And the thing evaporated. Whatever we'd had the row about evaporated. So in life generally, if you're mad with someone and you go to them and you say, look, I'm so sorry, I was very angry. It's not really about this situation. It's about something that happened in my life a long time ago or this is a trigger for me. Mm. The moment you take responsibility for the deeper truth, because here's the thing, one of the things I'm often caught saying is that in life generally, 90% of the anger is probably higher than 90%. But 90% of the anger we experience has nothing to do with the situation that's just occurred. Nothing at all. And it's actually got nothing to do with the person. You know, if if I feel offended by you, it's just my filter. And I might be very angry with you. But if I go away and look at that, I think that's an old pattern in me. Every time someone says that, I get triggered and it's nothing to do with you. And when we take responsibility for that, we can develop in that friendship or relationship. And when two parties are willing to do that, you don't have to have two parties, but when both parties are willing to do that, of course, you can develop a level of connection very deep uh, and much quicker. Mm -hmm. That's uh, hopefully, hopefully more and more people will understand that and just get a bit more willing to accept, to say that they are sorry because it's not very easy. You don't find many people willing to say that. I don't know in in your environment, but certainly not in mine. I agree. uh, And and, and particularly in the business community and particularly in politics. But, But you see, this is directly related to the subject of truth. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Because ra- rather than react and pretend that it's what you did that upset me or trying to make someone else responsible yeah. for the hurt I feel, the truth is that hurt was already in me. Mm. Before they said what they said, before they did what they did, that hurt was already in me waiting to be yeah. triggered or waiting to be prodded. So if I'm willing, if I want more truth in my life, I need to be willing to face up to that and say, no, no, this is my hurt. This is my pattern. This is my story. And I recognize that my reaction is based on something that happened a long time ago. 
every time, Andrew, I feel that I got something like spiritually that I understood something and I know um, how to act to reach a better outcome. There is always awareness behind it when you are willing mm. to be aware of something. So it's like, I don't know if I'm right to say awakening is key. You can't reach any better place unless you are aware of exactly what's going on and take a bit more responsibility of what you are doing yourself and not just watching what others are doing. I love these conversations with you because every time we have one, there is a bit more awareness that comes, even though like today, I think I understood a lot about truth. I know if we have another conversation about it, <laughs> there is something else that's going to pop up that maybe you have said today, but for some reason I didn't hear. It's like it's everything is unveiling layer by layer. Uh, do you agree with that? Do you know? Did you notice that? I agree a hundred percent. I think that exactly as you've articulated, there is a very high resonance between truth, between awareness, and between awakening. And one of my favorite stories, I call it a story for want of a better word, which I often meditate upon, mm-hmm. is the story in the Bible of Jesus towards the end of his life. Yeah. When he had been flogged, there was that Mel Gibson film, which was very controversial, but it it portrayed the brutality of the flogging mm-hmm. that he had received. And so that would normally kill someone. Anyway, he was then nailed to a cross. I can't imagine mm-hmm. what that must have been like. Mm-hmm. And And one of the last things he said, to his heavenly father was, was father, forgive them because they haven't got a clue what they're doing. Whether you take it as a story or or the truth or as as a religious center of your faith, to me, it doesn't matter. It's a wonderful example of someone that is seeing the bigger picture, seeing the six, the nine is transcendent. And rather than attacking his persecutors, rather than, you know, he would be fully justified in most people's eyes of saying that he was innocently condemned and treated unfairly. But rather than doing that, he he asked for support and help for the perpetrators because they they were not aware, they were not awake, they were not conscious of what they were doing. So it's just a wonderful example to meditate on, I think, in the same way that the story of the man with his children in the tube mm-hmm. is a wonderful meditation piece to say, where are we not seeing the whole picture? Why don't we just allow for the possibility that there is another part of this picture which we're not aware of? Yeah. And having the humility to do that takes us out of the conflict. Mm-hmm. And again, here is the willingness to, um, yeah, to look at it this way and not seeing it as losing. You know, so many people I hear say, well, I'm not Jesus Christ. I'm not going to do that because then uh, <laughs> I'm losing the battle and then they're going to do it again to me. And where is the limit? When will they stop 
doing these things to me, which brings us yeah. back to the other conversation we had about when you 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 fight for something, but with the acceptance and the willingness of letting go of the outcome. Uh, if you remember, our last conversation was I yes. think, very powerful in that sense. Again, I, I don't want to be controversial, but you know, I sometimes talk about the dynamic of power struggle where in a relationship, in a friendship, in a marriage, there's both couples are in this power struggle. And I, and I often use the analogy, you know, it's a little bit like the situation between the Arabs and the Jews. Yeah. If you look, look at this for 5,000 years, mm. that one side, you know, sends some bombs over to the other side and it lands on a school and it kills children and it's mm. horrific. And the recipient of that then vows to get their own back and they lob bombs back. But there's no resolution to that. There never has been, there never will be, mm. that both sides feel understandably aggrieved and that there's a great injustice. But but once we're aligned with that injustice script and once we're wedded to that, we just keep the power struggle going mm. and both sides want to obliterate the other side and there can never, ever, ever be a resolution because even if you wipe out everyone, eventually someone else will come along and rebuild the, the tribe or whatever, and so it goes on. And that is exactly the same as what happens in a marriage or in a relationship when there's fighting going on. We both think we're right, yeah. we both think we're vindicated, and we just keep feeding the conflict. Uh, just the last question, Andrew, and I'm just very curious uh, about if you get a couple, I'm sure you had so many couples coming to you trying to sort their issues of who's right, who's wrong, she did that to me, he did this to me, he's horrible, mm. she's mm. unbearable. What in your experience have been the main reasons why after coming to you, this marriage has been saved? And after coming to you, this marriage was really like hopeless and you just realized that you will not be able to help. I'm very curious to see why it works so well sometimes and other times it won't. Because if you would have a recipe, then you would, you would think that everything could be sorted. There would be no more wars, you know, and no more fights. And so what's your view on that? So I think there is a recipe, I think there is a, a formula, and I think it's unbelievably simple. Mm. And I think it's guaranteed to work 100% of the time. And as you say, I, I've worked with many, many couples mm. that were at the point of, of breaking up. Yeah. I think the, the, the simplest solution, which works every time, is whatever we're experiencing in a relationship or in any situation in life, the outer reality is a reflection of our inner reality. So if I feel that you are being very belittling mm. and humiliating to me, maybe you're doing that, maybe you're not. The only way through that situation is to ask the question, where am I being belittling and humiliating to other people? Mm. 
And if I am willing to really look for that, of course, the initial answer is, no, 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 I don't do that. Yeah. I don't do yeah. that. But, but And that's why people stay stuck. That's why, um, you know, marriages stay uh, conflictual and the world stays conflictual because nobody or very few people is willing to say, well, what if this was a reflection yeah. of a part of me that I'm not accepting? And that is guaranteed, Lara, as you know, when we do it, yeah. we get the freedom. And every time I do that, whatever is happening on the outside ceases to happen. Yeah. It just goes away. It's incredible. Incredible. And I, I wish that that happened more in the world. I wish we were taught this in schools. Yeah. I wish we were taught it in families. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really simple. Every time we do it, it works. But most of the time, we don't do it because we'd rather complain about someone else or we'd rather, you know, uh, make someone else out to be the problem. Unfortunately, when you're aware of this and you apply it, I would say if you, I mean, if I manage to apply it six times out of ten, I consider myself really lucky and a, a winner like I got it because it's very hard to do it all the time obviously it's very hard but it's like golf people who are good at golf mm. practice five hours a day and it's like the more we practice this the easier it becomes if truly truly anyway I wish for everyone who's listening to um, uh, be convinced of practicing more of this because it does work And I want to thank you very much for taking the time today to do this with me, Andrew. Very important to me to record as many conversations with you to recap all these magical years I've had with you teaching me and sharing with me all you came across and all you learned. Because truly life becomes such a better quality of life and I live every day with more gratitude and um, I really want to honor you for that I'm very grateful for what you're teaching me and I look forward to the next one (laughs) (laughs) well I'm going to leave you with another tiny piece of truth is that I absolutely love talking about these things i love sharing with friends so it's been an absolute pleasure that's my truth thank you Andrew. have <laughs> a great you. day and see you next time thank you thank you my all right bye. Bye-bye. bye-bye i want to thank you all for listening to this conversation with andrew wallace about truth if you found it useful and if you know someone that could benefit from this conversation please forward this podcast to them Share it with as many people as you want and think of. And I look forward to the next conversation. 